This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Dave, do you remember the British rock group called the Alan Parsons Project? I do remember them so much so that last summer my wife and I attended an Alan Parsons uh, concert no, in St. Charles, Illinois. No, really? There's a small little venue in St. Charles, and it's just this beautiful little venue. And several couples, well, I, I wouldn't have gone to them, I wouldn't, but somebody dragged us to the, yeah. to the concert. It was really good. I had no idea. Yeah, That's and only, crazy. I think they were, yeah. it was founded by two men and and one of them is still alive. Wow. The other one is dead. Wow. And uh, so it had a completely new cast in Man. terms of the band and everything. But it, they sounded exactly wow. like the Alan Parsons yeah. project of old. That's, that's so didn't crazy. they do that instrumental piece that the Chicago Bulls use for their player introductions? Yeah, absolutely. Segues yep. into Eye yeah. of the Sky. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's I'm right. not going there. No, so, okay. Sorry. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, the reason I bring them up is they also performed a song called Time, and, and the lyrics say, and I won't sing that either, but the lyrics say, Time keeps rolling like a river to the sea, and it's gone forever. Honestly, Dave, that's something that fly fishers have to deal with from season to season. Not just that time keeps rolling like a river, but that rivers keep rolling along to the sea, and they're gone forever. And really, that's not just the water. It's the very shape of the river. Unless you're fishing a spring creek or a tailwater, the rivers and streams that you fish get a volatile runoff that will change the very bed of the stream or river. Uh, Dave, maybe this would be a good place, though, to explain the, the different kind of rivers and to note that what we're talking about here are, are freestone rivers. Yeah, primarily the freestone. And, and most, most fly fishers know this, but it'd be good just to, to talk about again. The freestone river starts high in the mountains as a result of snow melting or rain falling, and the little streamlets combine to make a feeder stream, then a fishable stream, and then finally a larger river. You know, the Madison or the Yellowstone rivers are good examples. They both start in Wyoming and run into Montana and then run into, ultimately, they run into the Missouri. Yeah, and and we uh, fish smaller streams that run into the Madison or the Yellowstone. Doesn't the boulder flow into the Yellowstone? Yeah, it flows into the Yellowstone, yep. Mm -hmm. So in a freestone river, water flows over gravel, rocks, and rubble on the bed of the stream, and this type of riverbed is the result of erosion and sometimes in a more violent form, like a like a landslide almost. Right. And as the erosion takes place, the rocks become rounded and are reduced to, to freely moving sm- smooth stones and gravel making them free stones. Ah, yes. Hence the name. Hence free the name, free stones. Wow. Yeah, and then spring creeks, though, have their source in an actual spring that emerges from the ground, and they they may get a little bit murky due to nearby groundwater when it rains, but they don't have miles and miles of accumulating snow runoff or, or rain runoff, which turns them into raging creeks. And then the last thing that you have would be tailwaters. That's the water that you find below dams. And since the release of water is regulated, these are not subject either to the volatile forces that that a freestone river faces. Now, the further you get downstream, yeah, then then it's going to act like a freestone river. But but uh, tailwaters are are generally uh, predictable. Uh, 
but they can change when you're fishing, right? Yeah, um, we had that yeah. reader who told us a story about being caught in the rapid release of water while fishing a tailwater stretch, and yeah. literally it happened within minutes. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, he literally could have drowned. He had no way back to the to the bank. Right. But well, the point we're making is if you're fishing a tailwater, if you're fishing a spring creek, the the riverbed, the stream bed, that's not going to change year after year. But if you're fishing a freestone river, you have to accept and adjust to the changes uh, that happen from year to year. So let's talk about, first of all, what are the, what are the kinds of changes that – uh, we face when we're fishing the same rivers or streams year after year. One of the big ones, the first, is silting. And this happened to one of our beloved creeks, uh, Elk Creek near Augusta, Montana. And you and I fished it in the early 80s. And then I went back yeah. in the mid-80s. Mm -hmm. There were some great beaver dams in there. Mm -hmm. And when we returned three or four years later, they had been completely silted. And what do we mean by that? We should, we should well, explain that. Well, I understand that. it yeah. to mean it's now it's the, the actual form of the pool or the run is gone and it, sometimes just, it's filled just, with sand. Yeah, it just kind of fills up with yeah. sand. And, and, so, and, and so basically you've lost all this, all these great runs and yeah, these you great this, pools. this deep two foot pool now is suddenly just like everything else it just filled in yeah. uh, and so when silting happens i have to say that emotionally that was probably one of the most difficult times oh, of, because yeah. it was one of the first really well yep. it was the first creek that we had so much success yes. on and then going back to see it just yep. you know, some of those runs being just absolutely evaporated oh man no kidding uh, i just was that was hard. So yeah. silting is one. What's another? Uh, another one is just the spring runoff gouging new holes or deeper holes. I've I've seen that a lot in the Yellowstone River. My folks lived uh, 100 yards from the Yellowstone River in Paradise Valley, and and I remember fishing that and watching that over the years. And even times when I would drive over from uh, the Bozeman area, I lived there for uh, 14 years, and and I was always struck from year to year some of the the Kind of the runs that I would fish, sometimes uh, holes were were deeper, or sometimes they were, yeah, they were filled in a little bit more. So it just just like the whole river changed. Well, it's like they move even. Yeah, it it's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. So another is in you know along that line is that new channels. Oh yeah. Get created or you yeah. lose channels. Yep. And mm -hmm. sometimes there's these little channels that you go on. Like I remember fishing the Wyoming Bighorn. There was this wonderful little channel that came off the river and then circled back to the river. Yeah. But mm -hmm. all of a sudden, the next time you fish it, it's completely gone. Yeah. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. and sometimes those channels hold a lot of trout. Yep. And they're much easier to to locate the trout, especially if you're fishing a bigger river. So sure. channels. So those channels either get blown up or they get new ones get created. Yeah, it's true. So you got silting. You've got the, the gouging or scouring, you've got new channels. And then a, f a fourth would be uh, just the obstructions that either get moved or removed. And we're thinking here mainly of, of fallen trees or log jams. Uh, I remember I remember in the Driftless there was a, uh, there was a run where, uh, boy, this, this couple of fallen logs had almost created a triangle. And right in that triangle there was a really good – uh, pool, and then the last time we went there, uh, there was enough runoff that it just got rid of that, and that was gone. You yeah, know, it, I remember a run way back on Tower Fall. Yeah, one of the first mm -hmm. times we fished it, 
I had to crawl out on a rock and cast over this fallen tree <laughs> and cast into this pool, and I had about a, a, like a three-second drift. And when I caught a fish, I had to actually lift the fish over the chasm. Mm-hmm. There was like this little chasm, like a probably a 10 to 15 foot chasm between where I was perched and where I was casting into the run. And, oh, wow. and it mm-hmm. was so productive. I mean, I, I sat there and probably caught four or five within, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And I went back there the next year and it was completely gone. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't expect it, but I mm-hmm. didn't. So it was, you know, it's a loss, right? Those are, yeah. it's nothing like finding a great run that's very productive and then oh, next year it's yeah. gone or, 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 or later in the summer yep. maybe even. No, that's really true. So how do we deal with these changes? I mean, what, what can you do as a fly fisher? I guess we're saying, how do you, how do you cope with that? You have to accept it, and maybe a better way to say it is you have to expect it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a river yep. for Pete's sake, mm. yeah, right? It's, it's right. a river or a creek, and and a river is constantly changing. So maybe not accepting it so much as expecting it. And sure. I mean, mm-hmm. even when you think about this, spring creeks change, you know, over time, especially during when the rivers blow out because of rain. Mm-hmm. And just think how weedy the Blue River gets once June hits in Wisconsin. Yeah. It's almost impossible to nymph fish there. You can only dry fly mm-hmm. after a certain time. So sure. so all rivers are changing, but I do think you just have to expect it and, right. and just say, okay, this is part of fly fishing. This is right. a part of of yeah, the ecosystem, it is. right? Now, it's true as well that that sometimes there are various kinds of restoration projects that can be done, especially uh, if the culprit would be cattle or or maybe the natural silting, well, maybe yeah, not so natural silting that comes from flooding. Uh, I know ranchers in Montana who have, with the permission of uh, the Montana Department of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, they've used backhoes to deepen some runs, some holes that that have silted, or it might even be replacing a culvert that's become clogged. So, you know, if if you're a landowner or if you're part of a Trout Unlimited chapter, sometimes there are things that you can do to improve the the habitat. But you're you're right, Dave. Some part of it is you just have to accept that. And I think that I think that leads to something else, too, that happens when you accept that. Beyond that, you have to accept this as part of the challenge and, and really find new, exactly. new holes or new runs yeah, when an old one doesn't produce like before. That's right? it, and that's part of the skill of fly fishing, isn't it? It's always being alert to what's going on in the river, and it's part of the problem solving that makes fly fishing such a, uh, such a challenge. And I don't think I knew this when I first started, and even in the early years, just that Every time you go out to fish, the conditions are not going to be perfect. Or if no, you caught fish in one run, you're going to go back and do that again. It, it's natural to expect that, but right. I think the problem-solving mindset is really important because it's yeah. just, year after year things change. I mean, week after week things change. Yep. And and I think to expect it, but then also to say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna seek out new runs, new rivers, mm-hmm. and 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 continue to improve what I'm doing. Sure, I think something else you can do as well is not give up on a on an old run too quickly. You know, it might be a, if you have a bad day, it might be just the particular day, or it could be the conditions that fool you into thinking, hey, this run isn't as good as it used to be. I remember a stretch of of river on the Boulder River, uh, which is just south of Big Timber, Montana. But I usually fish it up in the mountains, so it's it's really a stream there. I can 
I can wade across it if, if you find the right place. But I remember this one nice long run that had been productive, and then I had a year where just nothing happened. I thought, well, you know, this just isn't as good as it used to be. Maybe it's silted in. Well, then one day I was I was walking by. I was going to leave it. I wasn't even going to fish it, and it started to rain. And that stretch of river just came to life. I all of a sudden trout just started rolling over. I was astonished, and I thankfully I had on a parachute Adams, and I I actually caught a couple of, like a fifteen and then a sixteen inch rainbow out of that on stretch the boulder on there? the boulder. Wow, yeah, that's great. Up up there in the mountains, and uh, kind of surprised me, but it just made me realize, you know, I uh, sometimes I'm too quick to give up. It's like you say, you go back and, well, it's not like it was before, so it may not be any good. Well, maybe not. Maybe it has silted, or maybe you just haven't hit it at the right time. So Sometimes that, that's a function of being a little bit lazy, too. Oh, yeah. You know, you go up. Which you... I've been known to do in my fi- when I fish. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> yeah, sure. This isn't working. Let me go to the next run. Absolutely. Or f- go down a little bit farther. I think of that on Hopper Run, right? So mm-hmm. some of those stretches that always work, just going down 25 yards, going up 25 yeah. yards. And, mm-hmm. and you're right, not to give up on that run too quickly. Yeah. I think another one is is simply to fish every, quote, fishable, unquote, part of a stream. That is, get good coverage. You never know where a, a particular good lie might be. I yeah, remember Gary true. Borger talking about that fish gravitate to places where there is both shelter and food. And so if you're shifting, if you're if the river has changed, it's time to reread that river, right? That's and to fish point. every fishable part of that yeah. area. And that's always the key, isn't it? It's reading a river. And I think we tend to do that the first time we go to a river. We read it and then think, oh, well, we, we know it. But it's almost like rereading a book. Sometimes you forget and you have to go back and do it again. And, and then if there are changes, you'll pick those up. So that, that's always got to be the default mode, isn't it? I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but when my mom was having back surgery at Mayo Clinic, I was there for the week and then I took... Uh, I decided to take off on a Friday, and I got, and I said, "Hey, I'm just going to fish a couple hours on Canfield Creek." So I went up, and had a really great day nymphing, and mm-hmm. and those runs at that time of year were quite low, but they mm. they weren't as low as when we fished them, and they were yeah. still really good for nymphs. So when you and I went back several weeks ago, it was really difficult to fish some of those because they, the the river had dropped. So. In addition yeah. to all those things, I think you have to change maybe your tackle. Yeah. You change what you're fishing. Maybe you go to nymphs or you go to you know to get streamers yep. or maybe you fish mm-hmm. dries. I just think you know it goes back to the things we talk about over and over and over. You got to reread yeah. the river, reevaluate, and not give up. I think I think that's it. That's so. great. Well, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Here's a comment by David on our podcast episode: Why we like to fish alone. David wrote. I guess sometimes I get the bug to wet a fly and everyone is busy doing something else. So in order to get some quality time on the stream, I'll head out by myself, which isn't always a bad thing. I find sometimes I'm able to focus more clearly. Perhaps it's because I'm not thinking about what my fishing partner is doing. I'm not worrying if I should be trying to catch up to him. Sound like us, right, Dave? Yeah, for sure. I think I can also just relax and fish at my own pace. I can reflect on my surroundings. Although I enjoy fishing with a partner, I don't think I enjoy fishing alone a bad thing. Yeah, no, that's good. That is a good point. Yeah, and so much of that resonates with me. I think if I had my druthers, I'd fish with you or my sons Mm -hmm. or some other folks. But when I fish alone, 
I really enjoy fishing alone. Yeah, there's kind of a freedom there, isn't it? Yeah, Even I though, really do. Like you say, we both love fishing with each other and with family, but yeah, there is that uh, that element where hey, it's good to get out there by yourself. Well, it should be while. encouragement to those who who always fish alone, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you wish you had more people to fish with. I think it's okay. I think fishing alone, to me, it always strips it back to why I fly fish. Yeah. And I realize I really love the sport. I love getting out, and when I'm out alone. I really enjoy the sport even more. There is a pace, too, that you can only achieve when you're by yourself. Yeah, for sure. It's your yeah, pace. It is. That's I love it. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for today. What was the biggest surprise that you encountered on your favorite river or stretch of river? What, what had changed? How have you learned to cope with the changes on your favorite river or stream? We'd love to hear your comments, so please tell us by going to this podcast link at TwoGuysInARiver.com. What are some changes you've had to deal with from year to year in your favorite stretch of water? Thank you for referring our podcast to your TU chapter or Fly Fishing Club. It's patently obvious to us that uh, you have done so as our, our monthly downloads continue to grow. And we'd love to hear your ideas for podcast episodes. Reach out to us on Instant Messenger or Instagram or Twitter or just email us at stevedavidtwoguysinariver.com. And one more thing, if you haven't yet purchased our book, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish, please do so on Amazon. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.